Welcome to the Rehope Podcast. Before we dive into this week's message, we'd like to provide you with some helpful resources. If you'd like someone to pray for you, it would be our joy to connect with you. So please email us at prayer at rehope.co.uk. If you'd like to get connected with an online Bible read-through group from wherever you are in the world, you can email brt at rehope.co.uk and be a part of a small group of people reading through the Bible cover to cover each year. Finally, if you would like to support the work and ministry of Rehope financially, you can do so online at rehope.co.uk slash giving. We pray you find this message encouraging, enlightening, and helpful. Enjoy. Okay. Good morning, church. Lovely to see you. Happy Feast Sunday. What a good Sunday to be together because we are going to eat. And uh, I loved seeing throughout that worship time, we just occasionally saw the doors open and another dessert emerge. And we're like, okay, great. This is getting like better and better. By the moment, our joy is rising up. We are ready to celebrate with joy today. Happy feast. Sunday, happy four lunches in a row Sunday if you're a student and you've been cashing in on that. Yeah, it's been a good time. We want you to start the academic year well-fed, if nothing else. Uh, you might be well-fed. You might not be well-rested if you were at Around the Throne over the weekend. I'm seeing some nods uh, of people. Anyone else still just like buzzing off of that? I don't know that I'm, I'm quite Uh, back in the flow of things yet. I kind of just want us to keep going. I'm like, let's do it again next weekend. Naomi's like, no. (laughs) Um, I know she would love to in her heart, but oh my gosh, you guys, the amount of like uh, behind the scenes stuff that goes into a thing like that. But yeah, just buzzing off the back of what this weekend has been. Loved it and full of faith that um, what was happening in that event isn't about like one event or one moment or even 24 hours of moments, but I do really believe and hope that God is doing something generally, like in us, yes, but like also just across our generation, like everyone alive right now who calls on the name of Jesus, that um, there's a stirring and there's a like a question, like an invitation of will we, um, in giving our lives to him, like will we let him have like all our worship? Like will he, um, will we allow him to like purify our love for him, our adoration for him in a way that it actually like takes, takes our life and, and we give him our life in that. And I see that happening in us. I sense that happening and just, it was fun. Like so, so fun. Uh, we're continuing today along similar themes because Today is our autumn feast in Jewish tradition. Uh, It's the Feast of Tabernacles. For us, today we celebrate heaven. It is all about the joy of heaven. And this is the last of three biblical feasts that we celebrate here at Rehope Church. If you have been around throughout the year for Easter and Pentecost, then you've got the full deck today. You've made it to all of them. If not, don't worry. They keep coming back, so uh, you'll, you'll get to them all. But we celebrate three biblical feasts because in Exodus 23, God speaks to Moses. He gave him three set uh, feast seasons for the people to come, and no matter what they were doing, the command was stop what you're doing, come to me, uh, come worship me, and celebrate. And uh, first of those was the uh, Festival of Unleavened Bread or the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Then there's the Festival of Harvest or the Feast of Weeks. And then there is the Feast of Tabernacles, which is today. Now, we are not Jewish, but we celebrate these feast days here as a church because each of these times and seasons 
um, like honed in on an aspect of God's character, what God was, what God's up to in history when it comes to like the story of our salvation. And then Jesus fulfilled or will fulfill all of the things that he was pointing to in those feast seasons. So um, we love that. The, the first feast, the Festival of Unleavened Bread, had three parts. It had Passover, where the Jewish people would remember the angel of death passing over their homes. It had the Days of Unleavened Bread, where they remembered their quick rescue from slavery. And then it had the Day of the First Fruits, where they would bring the first fruits of their harvest as an offering to Yahweh. And at Easter, we celebrate Jesus' fulfillment of that festival, which secured our forgiveness. He was our great Passover lamb. He died. He was crucified on the day of Passover. During the days of unleavened bread, he was in the grave. On the day of the first fruits, he rose from the dead, the first fruits of, of all, of any who would give their lives to him and also find life in his name. And the second feast, the festival of harvest, um, according to Jewish tradition, during this feast season, that's when Moses received the written word of God. And according to the Bible, um, in the book of Acts, the day of Pentecost took place during that feast season as well. So where once you see, okay, the law sets God's people apart, uh, their, their ability to follow the law is what sets them apart for him, then suddenly it's like uh, the shift as God's spirit, God sent his spirit to be in his people, and now his spirit in us is what testifies to the fact that we are in God's family forever. The Feast of Tabernacles then, which we're coming up to today, also had three parts. First, the Feast of Trumpets, because someday the sound of trumpets will signify that it's our time to appear before the throne. That was a time of repentance. It was a call to repentance. The Day of Atonement, which was on Monday, um, we fast and pray for salvations on the Day of Atonement every year as a church because on this day in the Jewish calendar, it was one day they were commanded to fast. The, preach, the priest would enter the Holy of Holies. It, it was like bated breath, like we, with bated breath, will God grant us another year? Will he forgive us? So on that day, we, we think about our friends, our family, who we long to come to know Jesus, and we fast and we pray. And then today, finally, uh, the Feast of Tabernacles, which was actually a week-long festival, a week-long celebration. Uh, so by all means, keep going. Uh, we'll see you next week. During this time of year, Jewish people would remember God coming to them when they were in the wilderness and uh, tabernacling with them, like living among them in a tent, in a tabernacle, while they also lived in their temporary dwellings, in their tents during that time. All that to say... We celebrate heaven today because that is going to be our permanent home with God. We have the hope and the joy of a permanent home with God. God is making his home with us once again. Reading Luke for read through this week, um, the angel says to Mary, Elizabeth is old and she can't have children and yet she's going to have a baby no word from God will ever fail. And today we can take a moment just to be like, Jesus has fulfilled the other two feast seasons perfectly, securing our forgiveness, allowing us, like adopting us into the family of God. And then God tells us in his word that he will perfectly and forever make his home with us. So we can trust this. And that Trust is what underpins our joy today. That's where our joy comes from. It's from that trust. And joy is important today because the defining feature of this festival throughout 
human history has been happiness. In Deuteronomy chapter 16, God says, this festival will be a happy time of celebrating with your sons and daughters and everyone else in your family. This festival will be a time of great joy for all. Great joy for all. Maybe that makes you think of the Christmas story. I know it makes me think of the Christmas story. Tidings of great joy. I think joy can coexist with lots of things. I think joy can coexist with questions. I think joy can coexist with urgent yet unanswered prayers. I think joy can coexist with grief and with suffering. But I know for me, fear, fear seems to crush my joy. I have felt how fear is perhaps the most able, at least for me, to come in and eat just about any and every other emotion I might feel. Fear stamps on our joy because it's often fear that makes us despair. It's fear that says in suffering, what if this never ends? It's fear that says in waiting, what if nothing ever changes? It's fear that says in times that are hard, what if God's abandoned you? And whether it's as simple as I'm worried about that task tomorrow or as soul crushing as I'm terrified I'm going to be alone in that, fears the future is a fertile soil for our fear. And the simple message on my heart today for us is that we can celebrate with joy because we do not have to fear an unknown future. I'm going to use the book of Revelation today. If you have your Bible with you and you want to open up to it, you can, uh, but it'll be on the screen. I want to use the book of Revelation, and I went back to the book of Revelation today because it was written to peel back the curtain on heaven. It was written to peel back the curtain for God's people so that we could have hope. And in its final pages, in the final pages of the Bible, we see what our known future is, that it is heaven with Jesus. Revelation is self-defined as a revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the events that must soon take place. So Revelation as a book is not just about Jesus, but it's from Jesus. And John is our guy here who receives a lot of the revelation, and he sees a lot. He sees lamps and stars and bowls and seals and living creatures and elders and just about everything. And then just before we pick up, he sees judgment. He sees Babylon being dealt with, um, all worldly evil that is in opposition to God getting destroyed, getting dealt with finally. And we pick up in chapter 19, and it says this, after this, I heard what sounded like a vast crowd in heaven shouting, praise the Lord, salvation and glory and power belong to our God. His judgments are true and just. He has punished the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immorality. He has avenged the murder of his servants. And again, their voices rang out, praise the Lord. The smoke from that city ascends forever and ever. Then the 24 elders and the four living beings fell down and worshiped God who was sitting on the throne. They cried out, amen, praise the Lord. And from the throne came a voice that said, Praise our God, all his servants, all who fear him, from the least to the greatest. Then I heard again what sounded like the shout of a vast crowd, or the roar of mighty ocean waves, or the crash of loud thunder. Praise the Lord, 
For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and let us give honor to him. For the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb and his bride has prepared herself. She's been given the finest of pure white linen to wear. For the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words that come from God. Then I fell down at his feet to worship him. But he said, no, don't worship me. I am a servant of God, just like you and your brothers and sisters who testify about their faith in Jesus. Worship only God, for the essence of prophecy is to give a clear witness for Jesus. The curtain is peeled back, and we hear heaven. John doesn't seem to even have the words to describe what he's hearing. He's like, it's like, a, I heard like a vast crowd, a sound like a vast crowd in heaven shouting. It was like the roar of mighty ocean waves or the crash of loud thunder. Whatever it sounds like, it's lots and it's loud and it's repeated. The voices keep crying out. It says ringing out. It says repeating the same thing. Praise the Lord. The crowd says, praise the Lord. Here's what he's done. Look at what he's just done. The elders and the living creatures say, amen. We agree. Praise the Lord for what he's done, for who he is. There's a shift then as a voice from the throne gives an instruction, this call to worship. Praise our God, all his servants, from the least to the greatest. Praise him. And then the crowd does it, echoing what came before. Praise the Lord. Let us be glad and rejoice. Twice, John tries to fall down and worship the angel who is with him, and twice he is rebuked. No, don't worship me. I am like you. Worship only God. The picture and the sound is all in heaven, worshiping only God. Why is the revelation recorded like this? Why are we given this revelation where we can almost hear the sound of heaven shouting, praise the Lord, the vast crowd, the roar of mighty ocean waves, the, the sound of loud thunder. Maybe it's recorded this way because the voice of fear in our life is loud. And whether it's through decisions or struggles or even amazing moments, the voice of fear wants us to live tentative, afraid, doubting. But Joy breaks through when our worship, when our adoration for who God is, is louder than our fear. Even literally sometimes, how many of us have come in to worship and we come in with our worries and our anxieties and when we're leaving, we, we barely notice, but we're like, it's, it's like they just have slid like off me as I declared the truth about who God was. Fear wants us to think that we're on our own, but in worship, the Spirit says, come, rejoice and be glad. You're not facing tomorrow alone. In corporate worship, we remember this because we not only like experience the realness of God and his presence with us, but we also enact our place in the body of God. In the church, we enact our place in the family of God that we're going to be in forever. Maybe we're shown the shouts of heaven because in our everyday lives, most of us aren't seeing heaven. Most of us aren't seeing heaven. And we can get bogged down in the little or big battles of the everyday that we feel like we need to win. We're afraid that we won't. We're afraid we can't. We're afraid of the ones that are looming, perhaps. But this says, stop. Hear heaven. 
you will sing of his victory. It's not riding on you. Take a breath. Keep going. Maybe we're shown this because we can think of heaven as heaven and earth as earth, even though uh, we might know in our head, no, I know like the kingdom of God is for here and for now and it's coming and I know God has sent his spirit and he's breaking through. I know it's not just like heaven, heaven, earth, earth, but then there's something also incredible about worship being part of our perfect future with God, like on the other side of everything being made right, everything being fixed, everything being restored, we will worship and yet that's a part of our perfect future that we can access right now. And the only door to that is us choosing it. Women in yogurt adverts eat yogurt and describe it as heavenly. <laughs> yogurt is not heavenly. Worship is heavenly. <laughs> and maybe we're shown this because our fears so often are wrapped up in the complexities of life. And this says, all that, all that, like that's not your future. This is simplify your focus. If worship is my future, it makes me want to treasure it more in this lifetime. Not as something that I go through the motions with or something that I have to try harder in, but simply my love for Jesus expressed back to him. And it makes me want to pray crazy prayers like, Lord, do whatever it takes to purify my love for you to magnify my love for you, that I wouldn't be limited by all my little like earthly stuff and baggage and our fears attached to all the little loves in our lives. Those fears diminish when we know and take hold of the reality that the thread leading us through our life into our eternity with God is worship. In Jesus' own revelation to his people, his name is written on his thigh, and his name is King of all kings, Lord of all lords. And time and time again, in the last pages of the Bible, as you read through the book of Revelation, you see anything, everything that rises up against him, fully defeated by him. Revelation shows us our worship is rooted in, our worship is our response to Jesus' total victory, now and then. Revelation 19, 19, John says, Then I saw the beast and the kings of the world and their armies gathered together against the one sitting on the horse and his army. We've got the beast, we've got the kings of the world, we've got their armies gathering together against Jesus, the one on the horse, and his army. And yet the beast is captured, the false prophet is captured, they're thrown into a fiery lake, and it says their entire army is killed by the sword coming out of Jesus' mouth. Not even like army versus army, but their entire army, everything they can muster, killed by the sword coming out of Jesus' mouth. In chapter 20, verse 7, Satan's been released a little while and goes out to deceive the nations in every corner of the earth. And then it says, he, Satan, will gather them together for battle, a mighty army as numberless as sand along the seashore. And I saw them as they went up on the broad plain of the earth and surrounded God's people and the beloved city. But fire from heaven came down on the attacking armies and consumed them. Then the devil who deceived them was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur along with the beast and the false prophet. There they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. For now we are pained 
sometimes by the like in partness of being on the earth because we know that uh, freedom is one, victory is one, and yet we suffer, or we see people we love suffer, we wait for things longer than we like, we see people healed, we see people we would love to see healed, not healed right now, or not healed in the way that we're longing to see them healed, or they're going to be healed someday. But revelation and days like today are like a map where it says, okay, you're here, you're here, but look here. Like, look what's to come. Our reality now is spiritual battle. Our reality is spiritual battle, but our future is full spiritual victory. And spiritual victory isn't like hypothetical victory. Spiritual victory means like actual victory over all of those things, over an army of Satan as numberless as sand on the seashore. Actual victory over those things is to come. In chapter 21, verse 3, we read, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Our future is that nothing beats him. And even for today, Jesus, who gave us this revelation, says, look, God is on the throne. There's a lot going on in Revelation 19 to 22. Jesus is on a white horse. He's got a sharp sword coming out of his mouth to strike down God's enemies, angel armies, follow him into battle. Angels do God's bidding, fighting, and overcoming evil. Even Satan is released for a while to go and deceive the nations of the earth. Fire comes down from heaven. Satan's finally defeated. God is on the throne. John's given this revelation of God. This is the revelation of God in this way that we have in the canon of scripture. And he sees God on the throne. God is identified multiple times, named as the one sitting on the throne. The focus, as you read, keeps coming back to the throne. And I wonder if it's helpful for the Holy Spirit to like imprint that on our mind's eye today. Because so often our heart question is, where is God in this? Or if we're honest, the voice of fear sometimes has us imagine futures where God just isn't even in it at all. And at base value, it simply says to me, peel back the curtain and you'll see that God's in control. Like if you could just see, you'll see he's in control. If you could just see, you'll see he's in control. And if that's true, then I have to ask myself, does my life, does my inner life reflect that truth? And secondly, if he's on the throne, do I trust the one on the throne? In Revelation, around the throne, people fall down. We see the elders and the living beings fall down and worship God. Multiple times, John keeps trying to fall down in front of the angel, and the angel's like, no, worship only God. Reading through the book of Mark last week for read-through, I was struck by how um, even in the opening chapters, just in the space of a few chapters, there's several different stories where people are coming to Jesus crying for help and they fall down at his feet in a way that reminded me of the elders in Revelation. Jairus, the synagogue leader, comes and he falls at Jesus' feet and he pleads with him to come and heal his daughter. The woman who had been bleeding for 12 years and no doctor could help her, 
she falls at Jesus' feet and she tells him, yeah, I touched you. The Syrophoenician woman falls at his feet, begging for freedom for her daughter. They recognized something about Jesus and they fell at his feet. Someday we will fall down before our king and we will no longer have to cry help. But for now, we get to fall down at his feet in worship and cry help. Anticipating that future day with real joy because the God who's on the throne, the same God, tabernacled with us, came and dwelt with us and does today by his spirit with us. Same power, same authority, same ability with us, hears us, able to help us. So we worship the one on the throne. We cry out to the one on the throne. We know trusting God's in control like that loosens fear's grip in our lives, but experiencing his love, his help in real time, in real ways, because he hears our prayers and he answers them, that squashes our fear. There's maybe a photo, yes, of, uh, oh, it's really awful. Okay, close your eyes and imagine the northern lights. <laughs> You're seeing them right now and they're beautiful. That's what the picture is. Okay, you can open your eyes. Um, Wow, yeah, it's amazing. Uh, one night years ago, I was at Bible camp, and my friend Jen came and woke me up in the middle of the night. It was the middle of a week at camp, and she woke me up in the middle of the night because she said, the northern lights are out. You have to come see them. So we, uh, I got out of bed, clambered out of bed, like duvet all, went outside, looked up, saw the northern lights. Now, I've been in northern BC uh, in Canada several times before. I've been since... I've never seen the sky like that. It was uh, green, like glowing, vivid, beautiful, just kind of incredible, like worth getting out of bed for. Now, worship isn't about us, but I think there's something that can happen in worship that's a little bit like being woken up in the middle of the night to go and look at the northern lights. Because in the midst of our busy lives or in the midst of our, like, slumber, the Holy Spirit, if we let him, will come to us and tug at us and say, come look at Jesus. Come look at Jesus. In your challenge, in that thing that you're stressed about, come look at Jesus. Come worship him. Come and worship. And if we do, it's like we look up and we see something. We wake up, we look up and we see something bigger than us, more beautiful, we glimpse God's throne and we remember who we are and where we're going and the things of earth grow strangely dim. We're, we're looking up today because this feast is all about heaven, but we can do this any day, any time, while you're washing the dishes, when you're here with us in worship, simply by choosing to worship the one who's on the throne, by choosing to look at the one who's on the throne and as we do, our fear gets squashed, our joy breaks through because we do not need to fear an unknown future. And in fact, good news, we don't need to live in fear at all because the same God, the joy of heaven isn't the joy of uh, an impersonal paradise that we get to go to someday. The joy of heaven is the joy of a God who wants to make his home with us. And he wants to make his home with us today. It's the same God who will someday make his home with us and personally, personally wipe 
every tear from our eye is the same God who made us, walked with his people in the garden. The same God whose heart was full of pain when he saw we'd gone our own way, when he saw that sin was separating us from him. It's the same God who, because he loves us, John chapter one says he came and he became human and made his home among us. He tabernacled with us. It's the same God who, when faced with all of our brokenness and our mess and the things that needed dealt with, dealt with it, paid our debt by himself, like through himself, with himself by dying for us, but is alive today and says, call on me. I'm at the door and I'm knocking. Call on me and I will come and I'll live with you. I'll come and I'll be with you. I'll make my home with you by my spirit right now. I'll tabernacle with you. Looking to heaven, we know who holds our future. It's the one who's on the throne. We know where our future is. It is with him. And we know that our future will be joy-filled worship. So the challenge today is really simple. Stay and feast with us. Celebrate this with us. I want to pray for us as we... Um, go into a time of worship right now, but uh, maybe you want to close your eyes. Just, uh, I want to pray, and I want to just do a little self-assessment for a moment, because this is all very good um, in theory, but Holy Spirit, come. Spirit of God, come and speak to us. Just now in the quiet as we're here together, Lord, help us to know what's true. Lord, what, what is a stronger driving force in my life, in my day-to-day? -day? Is it fear or is it worship? What drives me, Lord? What's a stronger force? Lord, you know our hearts, you know our lives, you know the things that are imbalanced or off or wrong or just not in the fullness of what the truth is and what we can have in you, Jesus. So we just pray, come in your love and change our hearts. Help transform our minds. Let fear go down. In Jesus' name, let peace rise up. Joy break through in Jesus' name. And Lord, we just take a moment and where there's maybe specific fears that are crushing our joy on the inside right now. We let you have these again, Jesus. And we just repent of where we listen to fear. If we've bowed to fear, if we let fear drive us, Lord, help us. Thank you for the life we have in you. We give these fears to you. And we just pray peace and joy in Jesus' name. And if you're maybe uh, on a journey with God where you're like, I don't know what this is, or I'm exploring, or I'm wondering, or I've been around a while, but just in case there's anyone here who's at the point where you're like, I, Jesus, yeah, I want you to come and like tabernacle with me. I want you to come and make your home with me. I don't, um, I don't want like my own way anymore. I, I want you to come and make your home with me. I want to make you Lord of my life. You can pray along with me just now. Lord Jesus, Thank you that you're real. Thank you that you've revealed yourself to me. I want to follow you. I give you my life. I give you my worship. I give you my heart. Help me to follow you all the days of my life. Help me to love you back all the days of my life. Forgive me 
Wash me clean. Make me new. Come and live with me by your Holy Spirit. Come and dwell with me. Come make your home with me, God. Thank you for the hope of heaven, Lord. It's for all of us. We take hold of that today through Jesus. And thank you that because of Jesus, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.